الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين الحمد لله الذي هدانا سبلنا وما لنا ألا نتوكل على الله وقد هدانا سبلنا ولنصبرن على ما آذيتمونا وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله والله على كل شيء قدير والله بكل شيء عليم حسبنا الله ونعم الوكيل نعم المولى ونعم الحسيب وأشهد أن سيدنا ومولانا وحبيبنا محمدا صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم عبده ورسوله محمد رسول الله والذين معه الشداء على الكفار رحماء بينهم من يطع الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا مضل له ومن يعص الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا هادي له Ahmad, dear committed brothers and sisters on Sirat Al Mustaqim. Muslims, some of them, are in the habit of remembering their unity on occasions. Could be the birth of the Prophet, may Allah's peace and blessings be upon him and his. It could be one of the battles that took place in the early years of the Islamic mission in the Arabian Peninsula 14 centuries or so ago. Whatever the case is, it's become an occasional issue. And not many Muslims try to make it a component, a frequent component of their presentations, of their lectures, of their sermons, whatever occasion, on whatever occasion that may be. This khutbah before I begin the points of this khutbah, the first khutbah here in Jumu'ah, Salat al-Jumu'ah, I would like to remark that Muslims, the majority Muslims, put it this way, have the impression that when the Prophet, may Allah's peace and blessings be upon him, passed on to heavenly company, he left the world with tens of thousands, if not over a hundred thousand, who are called Sahaba. The minority Muslims have the impression that there is virtually no Sahabas. There are a few. But that's about it. These are two inaccurate characterizations of the first and second generation of Muslims that lived, were educated, influenced, and impacted, and more or less molded by the struggle, the 23-year struggle of Allah's Prophet. Both of these are inaccurate. And I don't care if I'm going to catch flack 
from any of these sides because I'm trying to speak my mind and heart through the Quranic lens. So let the pieces fall where they may. This khutbah is going to be particularly harsh on those who come from the majority. Now when I say majority and minority, I think you know what I mean, Muslims. Without getting into the sensitive words that that just inflame the emotions and then sink the mind. We're not here. We've been all along trying to stimulate the mind. Put the emotions on the side for a moment and stimulate your mind. Okay. Now, my co-madhabis, listen closely to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has to say. And this is strictly from Allah's book. Not from a history book. It's not from a mujtahid. It's not from so-and-so. It is from the words of the all-knowing. When we come to this word sahaba, during the time of Allah's prophet, there were good people and bad people. Some of these good and bad people are Muslims. But within that characterization, you have some Muslims who are quality Muslims and some Muslims who are, for a lack of a better word, low-life Muslims. One of the ayat in Surah At-Tawbah, 65 to 66, I'm going to quote this because this is a sensitive issue. It's going to take a little more time. But because it's a sensitive issue, I want my dear brothers who are under the Muawiyah spell. We, the majority Muslims in this world are under an Umawi influence still up until this day. And so we want to try to push back on that influence. Allah says in Ayah 65 and 66 in Surah At-Tawbah, you will have the time to go back to your particular translation or if you know Arabic to go back to these ayat and then understand the full range of their meaning. I will quote the ayah because the issue is a sensitive one. يَحْذَرُ الْمُنَافِقُونَ أَن تُنَزَّلَ عَلَيْهِمْ آيَةٌ تُنَبِّئُهُمْ بِمَا فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ the munafiqun are very cautious lest an ayah come down from Allah that will tell them what's inside their own selves. It will de- describe their psychology. It will expose their secrets. يَحْذَرُ الْمُنَافِقُونَ أَن تُنَزَّلَ عَلَيْهِمْ آيَةٌ تُنَبِّئُهُمْ بِمَا فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ قُلِ اسْتَهْزِئُوا Say, O Muhammad, to them, okay. Make mockery out of, out of it. إِنَّ اللَّهَ مُخْرِجٌ مَا تَحْذَرُونَ Allah is going to bring to the surface this issue that you are cautious about. Who is Allah speaking to here? The Muslims who are around the Prophet. Those Muslims who are given a blank description of Sahaba. Allah, Allah is, is not calling them Sahaba. He's calling them Munafiqeen. وَلَئِنْ سَأَلْتَهُمْ لَيَقُولُنَّ إِنَّا كُنَّا نَخُوضُ وَنَلْعَبُ and if you were to, oh you, oh Prophet, if you were to ask these Muslims around you, they will say, oh well, we're just passing time, idle talk, having a good time. Qul, Prophet, say to them, when they say this to you, say to them, Abillahi wa ayatihi wa rasulihi kuntum tastahzi'oon. 
Were you having this idle talk, this fun time concerning Allah, His ayat and His Rasul? لا تعتذروا Don't come up with excuses. قد كفرتم بعد إيمانكم You have become deniers of Allah after you were committed to Allah. إن نعف عن طائفة منكم نعذب طائفة بأنهم كانوا مجرمين If we are to amnesty a portion of you, we are going to have another portion suffer because they were criminals. The word munafiqeen, the word mustahzi'een, the word mujrimeen are included in these two ayat that are speaking about a segment of people who were Muslims around the Prophet who the Umawis gave the status of Sahaba, which many Muslims, and this is one of the problems in trying to bring together a unity of direction that we encounter. We go to another ayah in Surah At-Tawbah, ayah number 25. لَقَدْ نَصَرَكُمُ اللَّهُ فِي مَوَاطِنَ كَثِيرَةٍ وَيَوْمَ حُنَيْنٍ إِذْ أَعْجَبَتْكُمْ كَثْرَتُكُمْ فَلَمْ تُغْنِ عَنْكُمْ مِنَ اللَّهِ شَيْئًا وَضَاقَتْ عَلَيْكُمُ الْأَرْضُ بِمَا رَحُبَتْ ثُمَّ وَلَّيْتُمْ مُدْبِرِينَ Another ayah speaking about another group of Muslims who were around the Prophet when they went to the battle of Hunayn. The Prophet is saying in the battle of Hunayn, you Muslims, you were impressed by your numbers. But that did not do you any good in relationship to Allah. And you felt that you were phobic. You were outnumbered. You were in a tight spot. That's how you felt inside of yourselves and that's how you felt in the social order around you. And then you ran away. One of the Saudi ulama, he says, and this is the, the, these are the types, see, they don't think. They say things, but they don't put all of their spoken words together. He says, there were 12,000 Muslims in the battle of Hunayn. 11,990 of them were the ones who were addressed by this ayah. ثُمَّ وَلَّيْتُمْ مُدْبِرِينَ And then you took off. You couldn't live up to your responsibilities when it came, when the time of sacrifice had to prove who you are. Then we go to Surah An-Nur. In Surah An-Nur, the ayats speak about Umm al-Mu'mineen Aisha. And there were Sahaba who spoke foul about Umm al-Mu'mineen Aisha. These are Sahaba. What do you say? Just because they have the word Sahaba given to them by the Umawi rulers, they somehow become honorary figures in our minds and in our history. There were a group of Sahaba who killed a man who said to them, Assalamu alaikum. Why did they kill him? Because he had some sheep, he had some livestock, and they wanted to take possession of that. And Allah says about these types, مِنْكُمْ مَنْ يُرِيدُ الدُّنْيَا وَمِنْكُمْ مَنْ يُرِيدُ الْآخِرَةِ 
There are some of you, these people, remember Allah in the Quran describes categories of people. There's not a category in the Quran that speaks about Sahaba. This is an Umawi smokescreen that at that time was used to promote their, in their eyes, legitimacy. Of course, it was their illegitimacy as rulers. The, the, all of the Sahaba are not the same. We know that after the Prophet passed away, these Sahaba, some of them used bad words against others. Some of them went to war and killed others. So what is this blind acceptance of people just because they are called Sahaba? Where did that come from? In the, at the beginning of Surah Al-Anfal, Al-Anfal, they had their eyes on the spoils of war. And it took the ayah in the Qur'an to try to refocus their attention saying, قُلِ الْأَنْفَالُ لِلَّهِ وَالرَّسُولِ The spoils of war belong to Allah and Rasul, the Prophet, the Messenger. فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ وَأَصْلِحُوا ذَاتَ بَيْنِكُمْ Fear the power, presence of Allah, and amend your relationships with each other. Don't let the attractions of the spoils of war distract you or divide you from each other. In kuntum mu'mineen. And then on the day of Uhud, Allah describes in the Quran, Surah Ali Imran, Ayah 155. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ تَوَلَّوْا مِنْكُمْ يَوْمَ الْتَقَى الْجَمْعَانِ إِنَّمَا اسْتَزَلَّهُمُ الشَّيْطَانُ بِبَعْضِ مَا كَسَبُوا Those of you, remember in the details of the battle of Uhud, there was a contingent of Muslims who gave up their positions. The Prophet of Allah gave them clear orders. You stay where you are placed. This is your position, you stay there. Whatever happens, you don't leave your position. And when they saw these same people who are called as Sahaba, the Quran has other descriptions or definitions for them. When they saw that the Muslims are winning and the Mushriks of Mecca are beginning to retreat and leave, they left their positions. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is putting, shedding light on them. Those of you who abandoned their positions on the day when the two armed hosts met, shaitan had them slip. Slip, not slip, you know, they're not slipping on rocks. They are slipping from their commitment position. Concerning some of the war spoils that they wanted to obtain for themselves. Allah has amnestied them. Then he says, once once again, the ayah as it pertains to others pertains to them. Minkum man yuridu dunya. وَمِنْكُمْ مَنْ يُرِيدُ الْآخِرَةِ And then the other ayah, 153 in Surah Ali Imran, with تَصْعَدُونَ وَلَا تَلْوُونَ عَلَىٰ أَحَدٍ وَالرَّسُولُ يَدْعُوكُمْ فِي أُخْرَاكُمْ فَأَثَابَكُمْ غَمَّا بِغَمٍ الرسول in the details of the war front, is calling upon these Muslims who are, around, who are around them, reminding them of their akhirah. As if the war effort is just a step into al akhirah. وَالرَّسُولُ يَدْعُوكُمْ فِي أُخْرَاكُمْ 
and because of your reluctance and because you were, your heart and your soul is not in it he added to the position he added to the psychology to the mentality to the attitude of these retreating Muslims distress upon distress these are Sahaba does this fit into the Umawi propaganda that tries to make honorific those Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is exposing because of their true nature we go to Surah Al-Ahzab ayah number 12 هُنَالِكَ بْتُلِيَ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ وَزُلْزِلُوا زِلْزَالًا شَدِيدًا إِذْ يَقُولُوا الْمُنَافِقُونَ وَالَّذِينَ فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ مَرَضٍ مَا وَعَدَنَا اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ إِلَّا غُرُورًا Another one of the battles, Al-Ahzab, in Surah Al-Ahzab, at a time when Allah is putting the committed Muslims to a test in which their internal selves were shaken to the roots. Zulzilu zilzalan shadida idh yaqulu al-munafiqoon. Now, you see, when do these hypocrites, political hypocrites, when does their character become obvious? in times that are demanding. At least they went to the war front. Some some political hypocrites in our time, they don't even have the courage to come where a little sacrifice, not the sacrifice of so of life and limb. We're not talking about that degree. These munafiqeen went all the way up to the moment where they had to sacrifice their life or their limb and then they retreated. The, mun- the political munafiqeen in our time, they don't even have the courage to step up to a position in which you're standing up to be counted, not to give your life or your limb. They hide in their masajid. That's where they hide. They hide in their Islamic conferences. They hide with fancy words. These political munafiqeen were more courageous than the political munafiqeen in our time. So they went to the... And then then when when this... when, When they saw, my God, this is our enemy and this is us. We're going to be rooted. They're going to overcome us quickly. Allah says, these are munafiqeen. He spoke about mu'mineen wa idhib then he says now the true character and the true self of the political hypocrites they speak out as well as those there's another category of people that, that whose hearts are diseased they say, "Ma Allahu wa Rasuluhu illa ghurura." The only thing Allah and His Messenger promised us is vanity. And then we have another ayah in Surah Al-Jumu'ah, towards the end of Surah Al-Jumu'ah. It says, "Wa ra'aw tijaratan aw lahwan infaddu ilayha." We're talking about here the the personalities that the Umawis say are Sahaba. Not Allah, not His Prophet. This is the Umawis, which still is in the traditions and the customs and the history lessons and the presentations of the majority Muslims. Allah says, وَإِذَا رَأَوْ تِجَارَةً أَوْ لَهْوًا انْفَضُّوا إِلَيْهَا وَتَرَكُوكَ قَائِمًا And if they see, if they sense, if they know that there's a commercial activity or there's some good time, they, they go to it. 
They part with you, O Prophet, and they go to it. And some of these Mufassirin said the only people who stayed with the Prophet were 12 individuals. In this, on this particular Jumu'ah at that particular time. These are supposed to be Sahaba, remember. Now you get a sense the people who use the word Sahaba are not Quranically based, are not Quranically cultured. This is not to knock down the whole concept. Of course, there were Sahaba, but they weren't in the tens and hundreds of thousands as the Umawi rumors and propaganda have it. And then there were those that in Surah Al-Hujurat, Allah says, those who show disrespect to the Prophet by trying to invade his privacy while he is in his own chamber. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يُنَادُونَكَ مِنْ وَرَاءِ الْحُجُرَاتِ أَكْثَرُهُمْ لَا يَعْقِلُونَ Those who are calling upon you from behind the chambers, meaning an invasion of your privacy, most of them, see how the Qur'an is accurate here? Let's say all of them. Most of them have no knowledge of what they are doing. In, in other words, it's a way of saying these are primitive, uncultured type of individuals. Not the honorific Sahabas that the Umawis speak about. Then in Surah An-Nur, Ayah 63, لا تجعلوا دعاء الرسول بينكم كدعاء بعضكم بعضا Don't have the way you speak to the Prophet, the way you call upon the Prophet, don't have it done the same way you speak and call upon and within yourselves. Meaning, there were some people who were doing this. Like if, if one of us wanted to call someone, Hey Muhammad, come here. Some friend, his name is or Ali. Hey Ali, come here. Hey Uthman, come here. You can't say this to the Prophet. You can't come and say, Oh Muhammad, I want to speak to you. Some people, if this wasn't being done, Allah would not have revealed this ayah. This was something that is being done and it was covered up by those who stole legitimacy after the first four successors to the Prophet. And the ayah goes on. And this reminds me of one of these Saudi scholars. Listen to this, brothers and sisters. He says, he goes where the Prophet is laid to rest. Al-Rawdha, in Al-Haram al-Nabawi, in Al-Medina. He goes, he stands at a little distance from him, maybe about 10 meters away or something like that. He says... I'm paraphrasing, of course, but this is the meaning. He says, Allah has honored us with Islam. Allah has honored us with equality. Allah has made us such a people, such a chosen quality, Muslims, that I don't even have to say assalamu alaikum to that person in that grave. He's referring to Allah's Prophet. This is the type of, I think language fails to describe what type of individuals we are speaking about. That's, they had 14 centuries to grow up, to mature, to educate themselves. To become cultured in the Islamic way, and look, look how they a alim. It's not just a, you know, some in, individual speaking his maybe primitive mind. A scholar who shows this type of disrespect to Allah's Prophet, hiding behind Islamic words and, and, and uh, whatever you want to call them, Islamic idea. And then we have those three who refused to go to the war. Were they Sahabis? This is in Surah At-Tawbah, 
ayah 118. For those of you who want to go and begin to filter this word sahaba and not give it a blank honor as some people do. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, to we the Muslims and to those who have been given scripture before us, لَيْسَ بِأَمَانِيِّكُمْ وَلَا أَمَانِيِّ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ مَنْ يَعْمَلْ سُوءًا يُجْزَ بِهِ وَلَا يَجِدْ لَهُ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ وَلِيًّا وَلَا نَصِيرًا It's not according to your wishful thinking, whether you are Muslim, whichever type of Muslim you may be, whether you are Christian, whichever type of Christian you may be, or whether you are Jewish, whichever type of Jew you may be. It's not, Allah doesn't pay attention to what you say about yourself. What really defines you is if you do something wrong, you are going to face the consequences. مَنْ يَعْمَلْ سُوءًا يُجْزَ بِهِ وَلَا يَجِدْ لَهُ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ وَلِيًّا وَلَا نَصِيرًا And he will not find anyone to the exclusion of Allah that will help him out in that regard. An ayah, another ayah, these are all ayat. Think about you people who listen to these speakers who have placed all of their understanding of Islam in a sahaba And they have another word for that, as-salaf al-salih. None of this occurs. This is not Quranic terminology. Allah speaks about mu'mineen. He speaks about muslimin. He speaks about munafiqeen. He speaks about al-mu'allafati qulubuhum. He speaks about mujrimeen. That's what we speak about. We're speaking about sahaba here. Where did that come from? Ah, begin to think. Dig up the truth and the facts of this matter. Get to the root of it. An ayah in Surah Al-Hujurat. إِنْ جَاءَكُمْ فَاسِقٌ بِنَبَئٍ فَتَبَيَّنُوا If a person of disintegrity, if a person whose relationship with Allah is spoiled, comes to you with a news item, it's telling you something, then you should try to find where the fact is, where the truth is. Because a fasiq has relayed that type of information to you. This happened. If this is, and who was the fasiq? One of these people who was called a sahaba. It is relayed, relayed, it is relayed in one of, in some of these tafsirs that it was Uqba ibn Abi Mu'it. Uqba ibn Abi Mu'it is considered, you know, Al-Walid ibn Uqba ibn Abi Mu'it. Remember that, that figure in history? He was the person who was in charge of Al-Kufa, the governor of Al-Kufa who was a drunkard, who prayed Salat al-Fajr four rak'at, and he turns around to the Muslims and he says, do you want me to pray more? You want me to add to Salat al-Fajr besides when he's drunk? And in some narrations, he did did not know how to read Surat, قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ He's a Sahabi? This is a Sahabi? Al-Walid's father, he comes to Imam Ali and he says, I know more than you know. I am more eloquent in my speeches and in my talks than you are. He began going down this road. You know, I'm better than you and I'm this, that and the other. Imam Ali gave him a short answer. We, we know who you are. You are a fasiq. In accordance with this ayah, إِنْ جَاءَكُمْ فَاسِقٌ بِنَبَئٍ فَتَبَيَّنُوا He said, I know, أَعْرِفْ 
أَنَّكَ فَاسِقٌ I know you are a fasiq. These words have to be, have to come back to life. Instead of this blanket statement, Sahabi, Sahaba. I had an encounter in South Africa. Some person comes up to me. It was no time. It was the end of the night. I don't know if he's going to hear this. Alhamdulillah, many of these brothers and sisters down there listen, tune into this khutbah. He began to argue, Muawiyah was a Sahabi. I said to him, Muawiyah was a Taliq. He said, what's a Taliq? You see? See the ignorance. These people have to be educated. They have to begin to understand their own history. A person comes up to the Prophet, an old man, a very old man, comes up to the Prophet. He says, I'm sick. I'm very ill. I have pneumonia. The Prophet said to, to him, and this is a statement Muslims say to a person who has failing health. Tahurun insha'Allah. Which means something like, hopefully your ailment will detoxify you. Tahurun insha'Allah. With Allah's Mashia with his will. This man, of course, in the Ummawi terminology, is a Sahabi. He retorted, he replied back to Allah's Prophet, said, No, 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 I am ill. His word, which means a high temperature that is increasing, that is overboard, that is beyond bounds. And the Prophet said to him, okay, if that's the way you want it, that's the way it's going to be. And he died because of that hummah. Wouldn't accept the words of Allah's Prophet. This is a Sahabi. Let's begin to look at these issues. Binurillah, Not with Umawi propaganda. We know an Iman, you can have increased Iman and you can have decreased Iman. It's the way things are. It's the way human beings are. But when it comes to a Sahaba, no. They are of utmost Iman. That's not the case. We just mentioned the ayat, and there are other ayat in the Quran that tell us that's not the case. The Anbiya of Allah, the prophets and messengers, they had their weaknesses. Whether it's Prophet Musa, and Allah said about Musa, وَصَنَعْتُكَ عَلَىٰ عَيْنِي I have custom made you. And other prophets, we, I mean, there's no time to go into how the, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about these prophets when they, prophets did not commit sin. Prophets are masoom. But that does not mean they don't have human nature. Their isma does not make them angels. So between their humanity and their isma, there's an area there that, oh, okay, I made a mistake. May Allah, oh Allah, forgive me. Oh Allah, efface my, mis- my mistake. That's it. No big issue here. But Allah is teaching us, even when His prophets just take a two-degree slant, he tells them that's not the right direction. You do it this way. It doesn't doesn't take away from the dignity, the honor, the status of Allah's prophets. But when it comes to a sahaba, no, no. They don't make any mistakes. In other words, no one says this by word, but the way they present them is that they are above uh, the prophets. They are above Allah's messengers. In Surah Al-Haqqa, Ayah 44, concerning Allah's beloved messenger, may Allah's peace and blessings be upon him and his, وَلَوْ تَقَوَّلَ عَلَيْنَا بَعْضَ الْأَقَاوِيلِ لَأَخَذْنَا مِنْهُ بِالْيَمِينِ ثُمَّ لَقَطَعْنَا مِنْهُ الْوَتِينِ Anyone say anything like that about the Sahaba? Oh, if you say something like that, oh, 
you you've you've bypassed the frontiers of Islam. You're outside the folds of Islam, brothers and sisters. Please, this is Allah speaking. Refer to Allah. Be conscious of what Allah is saying, and don't be Umawis, because all of us are going to be accountable. وأنتم على يقين بالإجابة وتوبوا إلى الله إن الله تواب رحيم الحمد لله الذي هدى وصلى الله وسلم على سيدنا المصطفى وعلى آله وصحبه أولي النهى وأولي التقى Dear brothers and sisters, I wish I could say that the Umawi regime has died and no longer exists. The fact of the matter is we have a cloned Umawi regime in the Arabian Peninsula. It's the modern-day Umawi dynasty. The names are different, the personalities are different, but the character and behavior is the same. Nothing has left us. We're still there. So it behooves us. We are living now. We're not living 1,400 years ago. We're living now. We're responsible for our time. And those of those of us who want to go and hide behind Islamic labels and behind Islamic imagery and all of this, you can play your game. Allah knows. He sees through all of this. So what do we have from this current Umawi regime now that is alive and kicking in the Arabian Peninsula and hopefully it is digging its own grave? For the first time in the contemporary history of the nation state known as Saudi Arabia, let's call it the family state known as Saudi Arabia, they now are accepting women, they are recruiting women into their armed forces. Remember, several years ago, it wasn't a long time ago, we're not straining our memory here, several years ago it would be unheard of to say women are going to become soldiers well they've become soldiers now they've become soldiers they're going to accept them they're going to be in the army they're going to be in their armed forces all over the place non-commissioned officers and officers if, it, if they can survive, I don't know if they can survive the coming few years. This week marked one year since the slaughter of one of their citizens in one of their consulates, Jamal Khashoggi. Slaughtered this week one year ago. One street that has the Saudi embassy on it in Lahai, in the capital of the Netherlands. The name of the street was changed from the Queen. That was the name of the street, the Queen. Now it's called Khashoggi Street. Now imagine if something like this can take hold wherever Saudi embassies around the world are located. The street name will become Khashoggi. I haven't heard of a Muslim country who did this so far. It would be nice if we have a Muslim country do something like that. Maybe they want to wait a little. Khashoggi was not an Islamic scholar of any sort. On the 10th of this month, next week, one of the most respectable scholars in Saudi Arabia is going to go to court and face his sentencing. That scholar is Salman al-Awda. 
We don't know what's going to happen. They're going to sentence him to death, life in prison, exile. Allahu a'lam. At this point, there are many who are saying he might receive the death sentence. Only Allah knows at this point. But let's say he's executed. May Allah forbid. Wouldn't it be an, a nice idea to have the names of the streets in which the Saudi embassies are located wherever they are in the different countries of the world called Salman al-Auda Street? That's the, I mean, that's the least someone can do, something like that. We can't even do the least. I mentioned this before in one of the khutbas, I'll mention it again. Synagogues, many synagogues, they have a sign that says we support Israel. No one is saying the synagogue is putting up a political statement. What if Muslims in front of their masajid they put up a sign that says we support the Palestinians or Palestine. Is that going to break your budget? A sign. But no one does anything. This past week, the number one personal guard of King Salman was killed, shot to death. They say it was a feud between him and another one of his friends. Other news sources say that he knew too much about the rulers. He was the personal guard of King Abdullah. For, I don't know, 10 or 15 years. He knows, he has too much information about the ins and outs of the royal family. So they wanted to get rid of him. And so some say that's the way they got rid of him. They killed him. There was a, uh, you know, the, uh, the Saudi decision makers, they built a transit system between Mecca and Al Medina that passes through Jeddah. This past weekend there was a fire in that in, in the uh, train station in Jeddah. Five people were injured. No reports of fatalities. And they brag, look, we built a transit system that links Mecca with Al Medina. That's a distance, I guess, of 450 kilometers. The Ottomans, before the First World War, they built a rail system from Turkey to Al-Hijaz. Are they, are they trying to impress certain Muslims that they have a train system now? that runs between these two cities. How about a train system that links Mecca with the other major cities in the Arabian Peninsula and in Asia? Not to speak about Africa. They can go over or under the Red Sea and have a linkage, but no one wants to think. They want Mecca and Medina to be off limits. You've heard last weekend the major military operation of Ansarullah. They liberated 350 square kilometers of Najran. Najran is a geographical area that technically is part of Saudi Arabia. Historically, for thousands of years, only since the mid-1930s, did Najran, meaning in less than 100 years, Najran became part of Saudi Arabia. For thousands of years before that, it was part of Yemen. Ansarullah liberated 350 square kilometers. That's an area larger than Gaza in Palestine. And they took thousands of troops as prisoners of war. They released hundreds of them as a goodwill gesture. And they said, this is only the beginning. If you, who are making decisions in that crumbling kingdom, if you don't come to your senses, there's more to come. 
There was some information leaked out that the killing squad that butchered Khashoggi, they were laughing before they actually cut, decapitated him. Laughing. These are the takfiris. Remember we saw this movie before. The takfiris in Syria and Lebanon killing innocent Muslims. They killed more Sunni Muslims than non-Sunni Muslims for anyone's, everyone's information. They laugh. They're ecstatic when they do something like that. These were takfiris, but they had diplomatic cover. They were government officials. They're all the same. It doesn't matter what they're wearing. This Nasrum min Allah military operation by Ansarullah in Najran was composed of nine missile launches, 21 drone operations that resulted in the success that we are speaking about. There's now rumbling inside the ruling family in Arabia. We, we hope this rumbling continues and it becomes a quake that will bring down the house of Saud. You've heard of what's been going on in Iraq in the past few days. Foreign Zionist hands stirring trouble along with the U.S. enabling side to all of this, try to create problems. And now the, the government of Bahrain, that little island there, the government tells its citizens, you, you cannot go to Iraq now. You are not to go to Iraq because of what's happening there. We have Hamas protesting the government of Qatar has accepted an Israeli sports team to participate in the sports competition in Doha. So what happens, brothers and sisters, when our masajid, when our speakers are silent about these issues, this type of information doesn't circulate. The Saudis and the Khalijis, they spent $54 billion to finance an eight-year war against an Islamic neighbor. What happened? That Islamic neighbor became one of the best political friends of Islamic Iran. It took $54 billion to make Iraq almost a part of Iran. It's a lot of money, but it was done. The Saudis spent billions of dollars in Lebanon. Now three-fourths of the Lebanese population are pro-Islamic Iran. The Saudis spent billions of dollars against Erdogan, the president of Turkey. Now Turkey has become a political buddy-buddy with Islamic Iran. The Saudis spent billions of dollars to try to excommunicate Qatar. Now Qatar finds common purpose with Islamic Iran. The Saudis spent tens of billions of dollars, if not over a hundred billion, against the Yemeni population, against Ansarullah. Now three-fourths of Yemen see eye to eye with Islamic Iran. Saudi Arabia and the Gulf countries, they spent tens of billions, hundreds of billions of dollars to win over the United States to their side. 
only to realize that the drawback from all of this was that the Europeans no longer see the issue of Iran the same way the Americans see the issue of Iran. The Arab officials, well, the Arab people are 5% of the world population. The Arabian governments, they spend 50% of the total world expense on purchasing arms, which caused 60, over half percent, over 50% of the refugee population of the world to be Arabs. They fight among themselves with the most advanced weapons. See the wars in Yemen, in Syria, in Iraq, in Libya, all over the place. These wars are, I can go on and on. They, have, they, they buy some of the best weapons from all around the world to kill themselves. And how do they fight Israel? They fight Israel with a dua. No weapons, no, no purchasing weapons to fight against them. This is the condition we are in. And continue like this, brothers and sisters, to live under the Umawi spell. Majority Muslims, minority Muslims, you are still under the Umawi spell. You're hypnotized by the Umawis for 14 centuries. And we want a way out, and it's about time we exit that Umawi nightmare. Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan warzuqna tiba'a. Wa arina al-batila batilan warzuqna jtinaba. ولا تجعله ملتبسا علينا وجعلنا للمتقين إماما ربنا لا تؤاخذنا إن نسينا أو أخطأنا ربنا ولا تحمل علينا إصرا كما حملته على الذين من قبلنا ربنا ولا تحملنا ما لا طاقة لنا به واعف عنا واغفر لنا وارحمنا أنت مولانا فانصرنا على القوم الكافرين إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على محمد وآل محمد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر ومن أظلم ممن منع مساجد الله أن يذكر فيها اسمه وسعى في خرابها أولئك ما كان لهم أن يدخلوها إلا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الآخرة عذاب عظيم إن الله يأمركم أن تؤدوا الأمانات إلى أهلها وإذا حكمتم بين الناس أن تحكموا بالعدل إن الله نعم يعظكم به إن الله كان سميعا بصيرا ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون وأقم الصلاة